Friday evening, and we are happy to be here. And I have to say, it's been an interesting week for me. I don't know about the others here, but yesterday I actually went to go get my driver's license renewed. And that was an adventure in itself. I actually went there and they told me I had to have my birth certificate. It's like out of all the things, my birth certificate. Why? That's just their way of saying to prove who you are. So I had to come back home and it's like, where in the world am I going to find my birth certificate? I actually come back home, come up the stairs, and there's my birth certificate on the bed. Now, now, a lot of y'all know my wife passed away, and I think that is actually her still looking out for me because it was like <laughs> right there. So it's like, okay, I'm on it. I can live with it. No, she's been here saying, damn, even now, I still have to take care of this man. There's no <laughs> so we have to take care of him. And it's just, you know, now she's just like, I never get a break. I never get a break. <laughs> here I thought it was in the afterlife, just chilling, but no. <laughs> she's probably like, he would not be able to find that thing. Let me just help him. Like, let me do it. That's, that has that's been... That has been my week, so to say. Now, we did announce that we are having Tri-City Comic Con. And we are definitely looking forward to putting that on. It is going to be November of 2023, but we are getting everything done in advance. We want to be prepared. And we want to have this show done right since it's our first one. So that is the main thing. But we are definitely looking forward to having that. You know, when I said that comment about your wife, so I'm going to take care of you, now I have chills. So I think she knew that I was right. And she was just like, <laughs> hug. she was like, Amy, Les, let me hug you because you need to tell Greg that that is exactly what I'm doing. So I'm going to go with that and just assume that I'm not, you know, going to be possessed by a demon or anything. Okay. So we're going to go all happy positive on that. Okay. Just throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. Oh, Lordy. Just but like, yeah. That has been my week so far, and of course, paperwork and taxes and all the good stuff that we have to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I know Amy had dog training. I don't know if y'all want to hear about that. That's oh, one of those. I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. Because we got mm -hmm. crazy pants downstairs. So yes, I want to hear about the training. Okay. Yes, you do. Okay. Well, let me just start off by telling you that my dog is bougie as hell. Okay. And I didn't realize this. So uh, I've never done a training class. Okay. And so it was my first time. What if? Um, and so my dog is in there and my dog becomes this like shy, timid thing that won't even walk in because there's another dog. There is a massive dog. Like, there's no way that these things are puppies. Like, mine is legit only four months old. They had this huge all-black, like, labradoodle, and that thing sitting down was as tall as me. Okay, I'm like five <laughs> foot, five one. I was scared. I'm not, I'm not even going to, I have a labradoodle. I know, I know, but I was, okay? So, there was that. So, my dog wouldn't even walk in. So, she had to, like, corner us with the poster boards, the trifold poster boards, right? So she like put us in her own little cubby so you couldn't see anybody. My damn dog laid down for the entire <laughs> training session and went to sleep. I kid you not. Okay. He woke up every now and then and he flat out ignored me whenever I said his name when we were like, 
oh, let's see if they know their name. Flat out ignored me. Okay. It's as good as y'all thought it was going to be. Nope. Didn't answer. Nothing. And then he was tired of my treats. This is the bougie part. He was tired of my treats. So then when I went to give him one for doing something good, he sniffed it and turned his head. Can you believe that? So then the trainer lady had to give me some more treats that were different. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm on. This is what I want. A whole thing. Okay. So then there was that. And then after he just laid down for the 30 minute session, which was supposed to be an hour, but that's a separate topic. Okay. We only made it 30 minutes. Anyways, um, she had to walk out with us with the poster board for my dog would leave. Now, I don't know about anybody else. But that classified to me as a bougie dog that's going to be high maintenance. And I knew that this lady, this trainer, straight up was just like, oh, Lord, help me now. This is the lady and the, you know, the dog and the trainer, me, that I have to deal with. So yeah, Wednesday should be a lot of fun this coming week. Yeah, whoop, whoop, I'm so excited for it because we're going to be walking. And let's just say... My dog didn't even want to walk in there. I had to carry him to the car, and he's 35 pounds, okay? So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I am going to get an arm workout for sure, I know, carrying this damn dog around the store. So, fun time, okay? Fun uh, see, ours is only 43 pounds, so I can carry her all day long. <laughs> yeah, well, that is fantastic. And she's, what, two years, a year? That's great. Mine is 35 pounds and not even five months old. We had one of those. That's too big for me. Well, I have to say, we do have a special guest today, and that's Mike Barron, who's an award-winning comic book writer. Yay! And I have to say, since we got on the subject of dogs, <laughs> we have to talk about your patron, which I just saw, which was Buddy McGill. Oh, yes. Okay. Buddy is the I James like Bond of dogs. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> and I asked him before, I said, so is he as much of a dog as James Bond was? He's more of a dog. He's more of a dog. That, that a dog. is a brilliant answer. I love <laughs> it. I know, right? I love it. Absolutely. I, you know, I wish I uh, had sent you the pages or copied the book because... You'll see him out dogging James Bond on like the, the third page. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and before we get into a lot of the stuff that you do have going on, let's go a little bit back into the past. And what got you into writing comic books? Because you are an award-winning comic book writer. Uh, well, I always wanted to write. Uh, and uh, I wanted to write novels and comics. Uh, and I was working at an insurance company one day in Madison, Wisconsin, when I got a phone call from a newspaper editor who said, uh, there's a guy down here trying to sell us his art, and you should take a look at it. And he gave me the number. So I phoned up Steve Rude, and we arranged to meet on the steps of the student union. Uh, and uh, he opened his portfolio, and I was blown away. And I said, well, what do you want to do, dude? And he says, well, I want to do comics, but I can't write. And I said, well, I want to do comics, but I can't draw. Uh, and we were in the right place at the right time because Capital City Distribution, the second largest distributor of comics in the world at the time, planned to uh, publish their own books. So I went home and I brainstormed Nexus. And in those days, I wrote comics by drawing each page out by hand. 
and I do the first 12 pages. My art is not professional, but it's good enough that people can understand what I want, and that includes pers perspective and camera angles and all that stuff. And I gave it to the dude, and he uh, took it home, penciled, inked, and lettered it. Uh, and then we showed it to the boys, and they said, yeah, we're going to do this. And they published three black and white issues, and then they switched over to color. Uh, and they did six color issues before they decided they didn't know what they were doing. So they offered to put my two titles up for sale. One was Nexus, the other was The Badger. Uh, and First Comics ended up buying them. Now, today, nice. Nexus belongs to Steve Rude and me uh, because Mike Richardson, who ended up with the, uh, the IPO, returned it to us in an unprecedented act of generosity that has never been repeated. Uh, but because of uh, Nexus and the Badger, I began getting calls from Marvel and DC. Uh, Marvel asked me to write Punisher, which I did for five years. Nice. I wrote Flash for DC and Dead Man and many other titles. Uh, and I wrote those comics uh, for about 25 years before I, I fell out of the ass end of the system, which, which happens. It's nobody's fault but my own. Uh, but there were like 10 years there where I didn't write anything. And then I moved to Colorado uh, and uh, starting about 15 years ago, I started writing again and, and things started happening. And I was pleased because my writing was better. Uh, I was happy with my, my writing. You know, when you're young and you write a novel and you look at it and you say, oh, is any good? Are people going to like it? Should I show it to anybody? Everybody goes through that. But when mm -hmm. you get to a certain level where you understand story and where it's going, what constitutes story you don't make those missteps so i'm i'm happy with my writing and I, I think that it's getting better every day and that's one of the bright spots in my life and in fact i've never been busier in my life now writing like a novel like greg and i do versus writing a comic is super different i mean when they have us boil stuff 400 pages down to like 200 words or 75 words it's painful how do you tell the entire story in just these little snippets like that that's got to be difficult well yes and no uh, comics are a visual medium and, and uh, uh, the second most important rule of storytelling is to show don't tell and i understand that mm -hmm. and apparently most comic book writers do not because they plaster their pages with blocks of text that look like Soviet housing. And it's very <laughs> off-putting. You don't want to dive into that comic. You want to experience the story. You got to think of it as a movie. If this were a movie, would the actress be spewing all sorts of explanatory dialogue? No. You would show the viewers what you want them to know, and you would dish your dialogue out like a, like a miser. Uh, and you use those words... Mm -hmm. primarily for characterization, but also to advance the plot. Uh, but I try to, uh, to keep my uh, comics from being wordy, and that doesn't mean I believe in silent stories. I don't. If you do a comic without any words, it takes five minutes to read, and then you forget it. I mean, no matter how beautiful the drawings are, it's the words that make the comic resonate. Uh, and the less words they are, and, and the better chosen they are, the more it will resonate. So uh, I try to be original with that uh, in my dialogue. And one of the things I, I warn would-be writers about is, is beware of those cliches. If you ever find yourself writing, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, or move at people, or we have to talk, 
get away from the keyboard or whatever you're using to write and stick your head in a bucket of cold water and come up with something new. That's so important. It's, it's okay to say familiar things, but you have to find a fresh way to say it. Uh, and one thing I advise any writer and artist is no matter where you go, you always carry a big tablet with you, a notepad and a pen, always, at all times. And you write down every idea, no matter mm -hmm. how absurd. You write down names that resonate, because names are very important. Uh, I'll never forget, I review records too, and, and uh, I got a record the other day, and you know how they say, we want to thank the following people, and we want to thank Evil Finkelstein. I said, Evil Finkelstein? And, you know, I wrote that down. Yeah. And now it's appearing in Bronze Star because a name like that, it's real. That deserves real. to be I mean, put out good. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of but I know Star, what you mean. I a... mean, I went to a restaurant one time and I started writing a story idea on a napkin and the waiter actually brought me paper. So I good learned waiter. to take notebooks with me. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, the other one that you've come out with, which is, I think you, we talked earlier and you said something about June was Thin Blue Line. Can you tell us a little bit about this one? Thin Blue Line is about two police officers trying to survive a night of rioting in a large Midwestern city. Uh, and of course, uh, it's, I got the inspiration from watching television during the summer of 2020. I've always ripped my stories from the headlines, as many writers do. Uh, the trick is not to lecture, not to be didactic, but to make it entertaining and dramatic and dynamic. And by dynamic, I mean that the story, if we were to chart, it would be up, the hero's up, he tears down, he, he, he conquers, he loses, he falls into trouble. Uh, the, uh, the result is always in question. You never know what's gonna, gonna happen. Because the most important question in fiction is what happens next? Uh, and the reader has to care about that before he's going to turn the page. Well, how do you make him care? You use every trick in the book. And there are an infinite number of tricks to use. Uh, there's You create a, a character who's fascinating in and of himself, Sherlock Holmes. You create a situation that, that demands attention, Jurassic Park. Or you have a seductive narrative voice like Michael Chabon or... Uh, James Elroy, who are polar opposites. Uh, and those are some of the things I do. But uh, when I started writing this, I said I would write by, by drawing each panel out and then proceeding to the next. I didn't outline. I do outline now. But I had story structure in the back of my mind because I understand story structure. Like I said, it's a dynamic narrative with the beginning and the middle and an end. Uh, and uh, the end is always in doubt if you're a good writer. And the end should come as both a complete surprise and extremely natural in retrospect, where you, first you're surprised and then you think, of course, of course it had to end this way. Uh, and that's the kind of ending I strive for. Uh, but I try to make the comic every part of it entertaining. I try not to waste a single panel or a single word. And that's that's part of the secret, I think, of my success is I have three rules. Number one rule, and it's the most important. Mm -hmm. And it should be obvious, but it does not seem to be. It's, it's the writer's job to entertain. Mm -hmm. Number two is show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. 
And three is be original. Well, what is happening? Well, we're all unique human beings. And if we turn to writing, we're inevitably uh, going to bring our life experience and our attitude to some of that writing. But it's mm-hmm. also the writer's job to imagine every point of view. And if you can't imagine every point of view, you're not going to be a very good writer. Uh, should Shakespeare have been allowed to write Othello? <laughs> it's an absurd question. Uh, and yet there are people today, there are publishers who are saying, we're not going to accept your work unless you're the same ethnicity of, of, of the character you're going to write about. Uh, and I think it was a uh, uh, big British publisher, uh, Penguin. Penguin laid down new guidelines. Said, we're not accepting manuscripts by by white authors now, uh, we're looking for ethnic authors. Well, that's fine if they can cut it, but the objectivist says the quality of the work is, should be the sole criterion. And ideally, in a, re, in a perfect world, it would be the sole criterion, but we live in a crazy world now uh, mm-hmm. where people want to make statements and they want to uh, strike a blow for social justice. And they forget the reason if we're sticking with comics here, the people read comics for entertainment. And that's the number one reason. They want to be entertained. They want to be taken away. They want to lose themselves in the story. Uh, and there's, you know, if, if there's nothing wrong with, with covering every ethnicity. Um, Definitely. And no matter who you are. Because, I mean, like Alexander Dumas. Alexander Dumas wrote The Three Musketeers. Well, Alexander Dumas was Haitian. What does he know about The Three Musketeers? Well, it turns out quite a lot. Because that's one of the enduring stories of all time. A yeah, lot of it is also have... research. And when an author does research or a writer, when you do the research, you can really come up with a good story with the oh, research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything out there, there's inspiration everywhere you look. Now, one of the things, just so I know we have a lot of new people in our group, and a lot of them are just getting into the comic world, kind of like Amy. Wink, wink. <laughs> But can you explain the difference between a comic and a graphic novel to some of the people who might not understand? (laughs) Wait, hold on. I want to set the record straight. I know the difference. I'm heavily targeted towards me, but I know the difference. Okay, so I'm just not that okay. Oh my gosh, Greg! No, you have just started. I was I was referring to you being nope. No, Mike, please answer. I'm sorry. A graphic novel is a big, expensive comic book. That's Pretty it. much. What's the average page length for a comic? Just in, well, you, you know, when I used to write, I would uh, I average six to seven panels a page, but uh, I realized that uh, that was crowding the page. Uh, compared to what modern readers expect, uh, there's been a lot of talk about decompression at the big two, which means they'll take a story that's worth 24 pages and stretch it out for 128 pages so that uh, a lot of a lot of nothing happens over many pages. I don't like to do that, but I do like the story to move right along. Uh, uh, so w- w- what was the question, Greg? <laughs> Basically about the normal length of a comic book. All right. For me, a normal story is 24 pages. It always has been. But that doesn't mean uh, if somebody wants 20-page scripts, I'll write them. Or 22-page scripts, I'll write them. 
or a 62-page script, which I just finished writing for a client, I'll write them. I'll write the story to, to fit the length. Uh, but of necessity, a 62-page story is going to be more complex. It's going to have more moving parts than a 24-page story, or I'm not doing my job. Uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, you can watch a half-hour sitcom or you can watch a two-hour comedy, but the two-hour comedy is going to tell a complete story, beginning and middle and end, and hopefully send you out of the theater happy and laughing. And that means there's got to be more story, not too much story. You just have to hit that happy balance. But I have a, uh, a philosophy about that, and that's that I now write five panels per page for the most part, unless it's a big uh, historic scene I'll go down to four panels and even three panels and even two panels. But if you've seen one explosion, you've seen them all. And there's one thing I, I won't do is that's devote a full page to an explosion. Because what is it? I mean, there's no art there. It's just mm -hmm. stuff flying around. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll give it a, a good portion of the page for the explosion, but I, I won't give it the whole page. And I don't like... Uh, for once, thing you never, never devote a whole page of a comic to a talking head because then you got a head, and then you have these Soviet blocks of dialogue which are very off-putting that nobody wants to read because they just look uh, unfriendly when you look at it. But but a word balloon, especially if the words matter and, the, and there there aren't that many words in it, then that you're going to remember. Mm -hmm. And I also don't like a full page spread because the story stops there while you admire the werewolf or whatever. And just say, oh, that's a good werewolf. You sit there looking at the werewolf for five minutes and, and if it, oh yeah, there's some more story. So uh, <laughs> so what, what I'll do is I'll devote the top two thirds of a page to a single image and the bottom third to move the story along because I want the reader to turn the page. Now, there were several different... Um comic covers that you sent. Can you tell us a little bit about each one of those? Because there's quite a few yes. ones in there, too. Uh, you, you started to show a little Bronze Star. Why don't you throw that Bronze Star back up there? This okay. is a project I'm doing with Pat Broderick, and everybody knows who Pat Broderick is. He's one of the greatest illustrators in the history of comics. Uh, he's done... Uh, uh, yeah, that's a page. Bronze Star is a supernatural Western. This is the greatest work of Pat's career. He did Micronauts and uh, many other characters. Uh, but when I was talking to Pat last year, I said, well, Pat, what do you want to draw? I said, I want to draw a Western. So I thought, all right. And I'm really pleased with this one. It, uh, we're going to launch this next. It's our next project after Thin Blue Line. And it's going to blow people's minds. It's, it's going to be a 60-page book. Uh, and, and the story is, is uh, exciting and accurate. And it moves along. Uh, and it's got unique elements to it. Even It's a supernatural Western. I, I don't want to give away the, the store here and tell you what's supernatural about it, because there are a couple of things that are supernatural about it. But uh, the characters are real. Uh, the dialogue is real. It's going to sound real. You say, you're not even going to think about it. You're going to absorb it and say, yeah, that's the way people talk. I can definitely say after writing a Western, that's definitely one that I'm going to be interested in. <laughs> oh, thank you, Greg. Definitely. Now, the, another one that you had, which we'll go with this one next. How about Private American? 
Private American is everything Captain America should be but isn't. When we first meet uh, Marcos, he is uh, an American citizen, but his parents fled Cuba during the Mariel boat lift. So he's a Cuban American. Uh, he was cashiered out of the armed forces because he shot a man in Afghanistan who was torturing a dog. And it turns out that the man he shot was later implicated in a number of attacks on civilians and soldiers and was a no good uh, villain himself. But that's why he was thrown out of the armed forces. Uh, but he lives down near the border. And if Captain America were being written today, if I were writing him, he would be down at the border intercepting coyotes, terrorists, drug smugglers, and human traffickers. That's what he would be doing. And that's what uh, Marcos is doing. Uh, and the title Private American just comes up in the script when, when uh, a man finally comes to him and identifies him as this person who's been down at the border uh, apprehending these drug smugglers and so forth. And says, who do you think you are? He says, I'm just a private American, but I can do something and I can't stand by. Well, the southern border is completely disappears and millions of people, we don't know who they are, are flooding mm -hmm. into the country. Definitely. Now, the artist now, on this is, is Richard Bonk. Uh, we're very excited about it. Richard is plugging right away. And this is going to be the... Uh, uh, the second project we're going to float this year after uh, Bronze Star. Nice. Now, another one that you sent me, which I'll pull that up in a minute, was Florida Man. Yeah, Florida Man is coming. This is going to be the second issue, Hogzilla. Now, anybody who's read my Florida Man novels or the Florida Man graphic novel, knows that its only purpose is to make you laugh out loud. And it does that. I think it's probably the funniest comic ever written. But, you know, I'm, I'm prejudiced. On the other hand, I understand humor and I know what makes you laugh. And they're not jokes. They're not puns. It's situational humor where you just can't help but burst out laughing. Uh, and uh, Pat Broderick did that cover, by the way, uh, which is brilliant. It's also the cover of my second Florida Man novel. There are three Florida Man novels out now. Uh, they're all on Amazon, Florida Man by Mike Bear, and they all pop up. Uh, but the second graphic novel uh, is uh, is a crazy distillation of a lot of ideas I had for, for the regular novels, plus some new stuff. Uh, and it's just funny. You know, the height of humor is absurdity, the absurd juxtaposition of, of things that you normally don't put together. At the base of humor, at the very bottom of humor, are puns. And then you start climbing the, the tower of humor and uh, it goes on and on until you get to the top where you get to situational humor, where the, the situation is, is so unlikely and yet so inevitable that you burst out laughing. Uh, and I think of movies like uh, uh, His Girl Friday, which is one of the funniest comedies ever made. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's all situational. Uh, or Tootsie with Dustin Hoffman. That's a very funny movie. But most of the comedies they make today are are uh, uh, stupid frat boy toilet humor. And, and you know, I just don't get it. And I, you know, I'm always dying to laugh at the comedy. So I look at comedy after comedy, uh, but very few of them are honestly funny. I mean, can anybody name a Will Ferrell comedy that's actually funny? 
Uh, actually, I'm not. I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan, to be honest. Neither am I, but somehow I've managed to watch a bunch of them. Um, <laughs> Step Brothers, Night of the Roxbury. Um, <laughs> on top of that, I mean, those are the two, like, currently off the top of my head from someone that likes Will Ferrell. Um, that's just off the top of my head, those two. Um, yeah, I mean, those two are hilarious movies, in my opinion. But I also like things like that i i don't know i, I like yep there you go elf oh my gosh i totally <laughs> forgot that one cotton-headed nicky muggins yes i hey, just uh, wanted to know what the the topic of private american was it's private american chris yes i did put that in there for him but yeah it is definitely private american and that's definitely another one that Definitely sounds definitely interesting for me to. Oh, it's explosive. I mean, you won't believe the things that happen. Yeah, you will. I mean, because again, I'm, I'm getting inspiration from real events that are taking place, but I'm dramatizing them. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm trying to obey my second rule, which is show, don't tell. There will be no lectures. I, I show what's going on. And then, of course, Various government agencies are very concerned that he's doing this because he's not authorized. Not authorized. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a rough topic, but I agree. I will say I do agree. Now, if I'm if I recall correctly, if I read correctly, anyway, you help recreate the Flash. In 19, what was that, 97? No, it was earlier than that. Early 87. It was it, it was one of the sevens. It yeah, probably it 87, 87 then. 87. Yes. Uh, Mike Gold asked me to take over the Flash, uh, start from scratch with Wally Wood. Barry Allen was gone. Wally Wood was the new Flash. Uh, and I wrote 13 issues. And then, I, you know, I ran out of ideas. And that wouldn't happen today. But back then, this is one of the reasons I, I didn't have that long a career in uh, the established big two is because I, I, I said, Mike, I don't know what to do next. I'm going to have to give up the book. And I did. And, but, but that wouldn't happen today. As I said, I mean, I've gone through a lot of changes. Uh, and if you're a writer, uh, you have to come up with ideas one after the other, just like a bricklayer. A bricklayer doesn't lay down a brick and, and think, Oh, no, I'm out of bricks. I guess I'll go home. No, he goes and gets more bricks. Uh, and one of the things I do that I, I started doing since then, I wasn't doing it at the time, was to carry these notepads with me and to jot down any idea that, that caught my eye. Definitely. And like I said, being an author, I definitely have my notebook and pen here. You never know. We might say something that catches my interest. <laughs> Now, you, who all have you worked with as artists? That's just curious. Oh, I've worked with hundreds of artists over the years. Of course, Steve Rude, Bill Reinhold is one of my favorites. Uh, Neil Hansen, Rags Morales. Uh, working, well, Pat Broderick, I'm working with him now, and uh, Richard Bonk. Richard has already finished, illustrated a, a Nexus graphic novel that Dark Horse will publish next year. 
uh, I've worked with Elias Martins and and uh, and uh, artists from all over the Andy Tong from from Hong Kong. Uh, I've worked with some other Brazilian artists and, and some Spanish artists. That's the wonderful thing about the internet is, is you can work with people from all over the world. Uh, I, I couldn't even begin to put together a list. The Pander Brothers, uh, Mark Nelson, uh, Jill Thompson. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I've seen, met Mark Nelson at one of the conventions down here. Yeah, Mark's down in Texas now. Yep. I think we've seen him at Eastern Rim, which was a good show. He's pretty nice. He's a great guy. We're Definitely. talking about a new project. We're just oh, talking cool. about it right now, but I hope it comes to pass. Oh, that would be fun. Now, with all this coming up, where else can people find you? I did post it earlier, but go ahead and let you definitely right. say where. I, uh, you did bloodyredbaron.com. Thank you. I'm on Twitter as at bloodyredbaron. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I have a page called The Comics and Novels of Mike Barron. Uh, I'm on Getter. I'm on MeWe. Uh, and if you go to Amazon, just type in Mike Barron, all my books will, will come up uh, in odd order. I mean, not the order in which they're published, unfortunately, although my later novels come up first, including Florida Man and Biker. I just... Uh, they just published my ninth biker novel, Biker's Hard-Boiled uh, uh, Noir, uh, uh, dark, mysterious uh, detective stories. I was inspired to write by John D. McDonald, especially his Travis McGee books. When I read those books, they blew my mind. And uh, I said, someday I want to create my own character like this. And so have many, many other authors who've done the same thing, inspired by John D. McDonald. I'm thinking of Randy Wayne White, who has his Doc Ford novels are written in Florida. And Randy Wayne White, when he was a kid, he actually, he rode his little boat up to John D. McDonald's house, him and a friend, and they came ashore and, and they went in and John D. McDonald gave him the time of day, which was very nice. Uh, but it's also in the mode of uh, Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, who are the two fathers of the modern hard-boiled detective story. Um, Raymond Chandler, of course, created Philip Marlowe, the Long Goodbye, uh, mm -hmm. so many great stories. And, and, and he's a guy whose prose is irresistible, who revolutionized the, the, uh, the narrative voice. And, and one of the reasons you read Raymond Chandler's is not so much for the mysteries, which are somehow sometimes incomprehensible, uh, but for his, his wisecracking, you know, I mean, he just had a way with words like, she was about as inconspicuous as a tarantula on white bread. <laughs> now, Dashiell Hammett, of course, wrote uh, The Maltese Falcon, which is the archetypal hard-boiled detective book and a brilliant movie mm -hmm. starring Humphrey Bogart and so many others. Uh, and uh, those are the guys that I admire and I love, but, but you have to find your own voice, you know, and, and uh, I, I have my own voice. I'm pretty confident about it. Uh, it varies, of course, from, from uh, book to book. Uh, but uh, the voice throughout the biker uh, is is uh, inspired by those guys. It's it, you know it's hard boiled and straightforward. The biker is, is uh, Josh Pratt. He's a reformed motorcycle hoodlum who went to prison and found God in prison. Uh, 
and came out and, and vowed to turn his life around. And, and you know, I, I joined Reddit and first thing I did was to say, uh, these are my biker novels. Josh Pratt is a reformed motorcycle hoodlum who went to prison and found God. And at that instant, they banned me from Reddit forever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. But uh, we make book off of that because uh, uh, they, of course, when we launched Florida Man, they wouldn't they wouldn't run any of it. So, and somehow it got picked up by some news services. Reddit refuses to uh, run Florida Man ads, and we got a, a big bounce out of that because guy runs my campaign. Chris Brawley is a genius. He's a videographer, which is why the videos for uh, my projects are so brilliant. Uh, but Chris is very smart at marketing too. Uh, so we'll deliberately submit these books to people we know are going to give us the finger. Like Thin Blue Line, we submitted that to every publisher. And some of the responses we got were shockingly unprofessional. Like, fuck you, fuck the police, eat shit and die. Uh, and wow. we, we ran some of those. We redacted the people who said it. But just so people knew what kind of reaction we were getting. Now, you know, some people have bad experience with the police, and I understand that. I know there are bad cops out there, and I can point out examples. But the book isn't about that. Uh, the book is about the good police officers. And one of the reasons I, I wrote is because I know a number of police officers, and the ones I know are all civic-minded individuals who join the force to be a positive force in their community. They're, they're good people. Mm -hmm. And they live by show, don't tell. I mean, they do good deeds. You don't hear about these police officers uh, uh, giving coats to the homeless or delivering people to, to, to soup kitchens or, or delivering babies and stuff like that. Uh, and a lot of them do it. But, you know, the bad police, they get all the attention. It's true, because they always show the bad, never the good. And if it bleeds, it leads. And being a 911 dispatcher, I do know I do know the difference. Now, what about your YouTube channel, The Baron Earl Show? Oh, yes, The Baron Earl Show. Uh, we do it every week, and every week uh, we interview another comic professional. Uh, we've interviewed Carl Potts, uh, Rags Morales, uh, Chris Cross, Barry McLean Jr., Gamal Hennessy. Gamal Hennessy is the comic book lawyer. And if, if you haven't heard of Gamal, but if you need a lawyer who specializes in comics, he's your man. Uh, but uh, we've interviewed so many creators. I, you know, I, I'm going to look it up right now so that I, I can uh, tell you some of the guys we interviewed. Holly yeah. okay. Jones. Nice. Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, Bob Layton. Elliot Magan. Mandy Summers. Vail Myerick, nice. Jim Kruger, uh, and uh, we have a uh, Mike Grell is on tap. We're going to interview him shortly, and Bo Smith. We're interviewing Bo in, in next week. Very nice. Now I know this is. We try to ask this of everybody, and one of the things, and it's everybody says it's very hard, and I understand why. What would you say your favorite comic that you've written has been? <laughs> You know, it's like, which one of your children do you love the most? Well, yes, I, I, you know, I, I'm very proud of, oh, oh, I think Thin Blue Line is, is among my best work, but there are a number of badgers and nexuses that I think uh, uh, 
tell a perfect story. You know, there's no excess. It, it makes its points. It entertains. Uh, and, and you can't stop turning the page. But, you know, the, the badges and nexuses that I've created are probably dearest to my heart among regular superhero fare, uh, which, of course, Thin Blue Line is not. Uh, but I'm also uh, proud of other stuff that a lot of people haven't heard of, like my horror graphic novel, The Architect, which is mm -hmm. based on the life of Frank Lloyd Wright. Uh, and it's, it's, it's unique. There's nothing like it in horror. It doesn't, doesn't even begin to approach the traditional world of B-movie horror in the terms of Frankenstein's monster or vampires or werewolves. There's none of that. Uh, but the horror is real. It's based on a real physical principle that, that will freak you out if you read it. Uh, it. There are a number of copies available on Amazon, but I've got hundreds in my garage. If, in case anybody is interested, contact me. I'll be happy to sell you one. She, she's the supernatural horror person. <laughs> Are you the supernatural horror person, Amy? I am. You know I am. If it has horror in it or if it has zombies or if it's a psychological one and it'll jack you up. I love that. I love B movies and slasher films. Um, I know, and you wouldn't get that looking at me, right? You would think of the rainbows, right? But no, this girl likes a good slasher. Um, so yes, that is actually, Greg always throws stuff like that to me. Cause I'm just like, what you had me on zombies. Right. So that is, it is a very true statement on that one for sure. Well, as a novelist, I'm all over the place, but, uh, uh, the main, my main thing are the biker novels, which is hard boiled crime, but I've also written, uh, four horror novels. I'm really proud of Banshee's got a starred review in publishers weekly. Banshee's is about a, uh, a satanic rock band that comes back from the dead. It's the biggest book I've ever written. I surprised myself with that. Uh, then there's Scorpio about a ghost who only appears under a blazing sun and Domain, which is the ultimate haunted house story. And they're all on, they're all on Amazon if you're looking for them. Uh, they're published by uh, Wordfire Press, which is Kevin G. Anderson's outfit. Kevin is a friend of mine. He lives here in Colorado. And as you know, he writes the Dune novels. Mm hmm well, and, but the my other novels, the Florida Man and the Biker novels, are published by Wolfpack. Nice. I know Amy and I are probably going to have to each get a copy of the Bronze Star because me being Western and it being supernatural, we can actually compare notes of what we think. Right? <laughs> yeah. She yeah. That is, that's generally why I have a notepad because Mike, if you haven't figured out yet, I have been very quiet. I am not the writer in this bunch, nor am I a drawer because my stick figure people look real bad. Okay. Like you can't even tell they're stick figure people or like that is hair, you know, it's just real bad. Um, but I'm not a writer, but I always have notepads and stuff by me because I always think of like questions or ideas, or I compare a lot of things and I make notes and then I'll go back and reread it a second time. And it always has like a different a feeling to me or something. So I am competitive with myself in that sense, which is so weird to actually Good say habit. compete with myself, but I do. Um, so yeah, no, Greg, we'll definitely have to do that. And then my opinion is going to be better than yours. Cause I always oh. think that way. And that's okay. <laughs> we're going to do it that of way. Course. And that makes me happy. <laughs> of course. I mean, there's, there's a lot I'm interested in and I'm definitely probably going to check out your patron page. And for those who are watching on Facebook, I actually posted it 
Okay. Uh, I think two days ago. That's where I post stuff that's that I don't want wildly disseminated because it's 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 shocking material, shocking material, and uh, you know. If you want to read it, you gotta you gotta cough up a little. By the way, if anybody signs up for my Patreon page, I will send them a copy of Buddy McGill, the James Bond of dogs. Oh, nice. Oh, uh, do you have the first cover? Let me send you the first cover. Uh, uh, that's the only cover I had there. Yeah, hang on one second. And of course, oh, I wait, had wait, the Punisher. Wait, are you on Facebook, Greg? Yes, I am on Facebook. Well, who has? Uh, Conauer, C-O-N-H-O-U-R. C-O-N-H-L-U-R. C-O-N-H-L-U-R? C-O-N-H-L-U-R. Just hour. Hour. Oh, H-O-U-R. Conauer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. I got to split that up. Look for the, look for the cowboy hat with the skull and the cross. Yeah, are you the Amazing Houston Comic Con? No, not oh. the Amazing Houston. I wish. We <laughs> are the Con Hour yes. public group. When is that one? I'm going to look up that Comic Con. When is that? No, we ours is actually called Tri City Comic Con. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Well, here's a place I can post it, so I'm going to post it right at the top of your page here. Go for it. Definitely. Buddy McGill. Buddy McGill. <laughs> oh, while you're doing that, I'll go um, ahead and ask a question so you can be ready to answer is, what kind of advice would you give people who want to write comic books with I would tell them to do what I did, which is to start writing by drawing each page out by hand, panel by panel. It doesn't matter that you can't draw. Uh, the important thing is it teaches you so many things about the, the medium. Uh, it teaches you how much weight a page can bear, how many words a panel can bear when you see them written down like that. Uh, and But most of all, it teaches you to think what happens next, which is the essential question in all fiction. My post is pending. Okay. It hasn't hit me yet. Amy, can you see it? Oh, uh, not. I didn't get a notification. I hadn't. Either. There it is. I got it. And... Greg has beat me. I don't know if I'm an admin on that page, Greg. You but if I, if I am not, then therefore you yet again are Empire. getting another slap. Okay, <laughs> and you're fired, right? I mean, come on. I'm fired. It's going to be the word around the Comic Con community. That's how we're going to label that. Oh, that's, that's a cool cover. Just the Comic Con community. That All right, Greg, you got to show it. Ah. Uh, you're you're better at the social stuff here. I'll let you do the. Yeah, I'm giving it to you. All right, hold on. <laughs> let me mute myself so I can go over there. Hold on. <laughs> She's more of the tech person too. That's Amy, the tech person and the supernatural, paranormal, horror. <laughs> I got your fantasy and your comic books. 
And is it the, she, the top one that's like a big collaborative one? It's the one that says Michael A. Barron and it says Buddy McGill. Refresh the page. I just went over there. Refresh Obviously. yourself. Every, obviously, I am not showing myself to be the techie person, okay? I'm just saying. Oh, okay, I needed <laughs> well, to. Here you are, Greg. You're on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Don't ask me why. I know. I'm following you Why, now. Greg? Why are you on Twitter? Here we go. I'm not good at Twitter. I'm, my most, actually, I do probably most of my posts on Here we go. That's I found it. it. Here we go. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, because you, when you first meet him, we, he's with the Transportation Safety, Safety Association. Oh, uh, sniffing cool. suitcases at the airport. I like <laughs> it. I like it. I love those sunglasses. I know, right? I, I need, I need me a pair like that. Oh, Greg, you need like a pair of like Ray-Ban, like Ray-Bans, 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 Ray uh, Ray ah, oh, man. Chris, Chris, just write Mike there in Patreon. I'm actually scrolling down to see if it was on that link that I shared. Believe it or not, we've done so much. We actually just did SypaCon and they had an amazing event this year. One of their best. So I'm still, I still got a little bit of the jitters from that, actually. From Excited what? about it. Well, all the fun that we had at CypherCon. Oh. I should say pre-con. Oh, pre -con. you're still pre-con in it? Yeah, Man, I don't know bit. about anybody else. But, Mike, maybe you will know this. And I am new to going to comic cons, okay? Not to knowing what the difference between a comic book and a graphic novel. But anyway. I'm hold that up a little bit longer. Um, I always, I seem to, of last year, all the ones that I went to, I would come home and then I would be sick. Does that happen to anybody else? Like, is that normal? Or am I just like a weak immune system and I just can't be around people? Because that's you get, Did you get COVID? No, I did not get COVID. Oh, well, you're lucky. That's good. You know what? Uh, I take vitamin D and zinc every morning. I haven't been sick okay. in years. Okay. So then I probably should do that. And I just have a weak immune system because I come back and then I, I don't know what it is. And if this is you, if you also experience this, can you like put it in the chat so I don't feel so like alone? But if so, it's okay. Um, <laughs> But I always like my nose is always like stuffy and like swollen, like my whole face, and it's just like an oompa loompa. Okay, is like I don't know, <laughs> taking over my body or something. I don't Zip know what's going on. D. Yeah, I'm def I'm gonna have to do something because I just can't live with that. See, she loses her voice after big events. Mommy, I don't need a big event to lose my voice. I can just lose it in my house. Okay, when I have <laughs> going on, so I don't I don't have to be at a big event for sure. But okay, that. I'm going to have to try that because I always feel like hammered hell after going to a Comic-Con. I don't know why. I just do. But I also always say that the world is too people-y for me and I like to stay in my bubble. So that could also just be that I don't like being around people. And my body knows that. It's probably that one, actually. <laughs> or a mixture of both. Oh, um, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure we could all take care of a little bit of it ourselves a little bit better. Chris gets sick after a three-day con too. Oh, Chris, we can be <laughs> together. High five. Hi. 
high five. You know, it's just one of those things. You got to embrace it, man. Okay. At least, you know, other people are sick with you. Now, one thing I do want to ask is definitely what conventions are you planning or do you plan on going to within the near future? Do you plan on any? Or Well, I'm going to be at Megacon in Orlando in May, but I'm not there as a guest. I'm just there as a visitor. You will know me by my shirt. And that's nice. about it. That's about it. You know, I, I, if some others come up, uh, I might attend. I, I have invites uh, to Terrificon in Connecticut, which is a great con. Uh, it's a real hassle to get there. I don't like to change planes. You got to change planes, then you got to drive and all this stuff. Uh, and also, uh, uh, Pensacon, you know, uh, Mike Ensley kindly invited me back to that, but that was back in February. Uh, and I may do that again next year because I like Pensacola. It's a good con, and, and Pat Broderick's always there. Uh, so we'll see. But generally smaller cons. You know, I, I, I went to San Diego 13 years in a row. Uh, and then the last time I was there, was it was like being in a boiler factory, and it was just so crowded everywhere. They just It was just too much. I like the smaller cons where you can breathe a little. Definitely. I can say Comic Palooza is our big one here. And they actually changed their dates, which. Again? No, it's still in July. Oh. But. Oh, okay. But it actually had messed up some of the littler cons where they had to move their dates because they didn't want to be during that or right after that. So now there's like three different cons on one weekend. And it's like, oh, Lordy. Can't do all three, unfortunately. Do you know Mike Alderman? Mm -mm. I, I don't. know that name. He lives in Louisiana, but he's a big proponent of uh, Texas comic book cons. I just thought I'd mention it because he's a super fan and uh, collects a lot of comic book art and very active in fandom. I've heard the name. I have to say, I've heard the name. I don't know if I've met him personally. But I do know it's 7 o'clock, so we're getting time for the end of our show. Now, if there's any questions anybody wants to ask real quick before we head out, give you a couple of minutes. If I think, yeah, Mombarella, smaller cons are the best. Now, I do like smaller cons, but I'm not, I, I don't know. I like Comic Palooza when I went, but it was my first year going, so I was just like starstruck and everything and how awesome it was, okay? And I got to go in my Spider-Gwen outfit, so I'm not going to lie, okay? I'm sorry, but I did like Comic Palooza because it was my first year. But I do like the smaller cons because they are like more intimate, I would say. But Definitely. I like the you get big to know the people too. a little bit better. Yeah. I don't know. I like there's something about it. Like when you go into like Comic Palooza or the bigger cons and you can literally yell and it echoes, that just makes me happy. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But it just makes me happy. It's literally me talking to myself and that is just golden in my eyes. So I don't know. I'm crazy at times though. So maybe I'm the only one that does that, which is totally okay. But I liked it. But everyone and mike baron thank you for joining the show we enjoyed having you and i can't wait to see some of the comments that will be coming on later and everyone else we will see you on tuesday at 11. we are back to our regular time <coughs> yeah
Yeah. But yep, we will see are. you on Tuesday. Until then, 